Hello and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for October has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5 and they really are really ace. Check them out at cashfly.com, that's C-A-C-H-E, fly and let them know that you heard all about them here on 5x5. I'm Ian Broom. I've got a cold, but I'm very pleased to be joined today by Sana Vliegenhardt. Hello. Welcome. Thank you very much. First time on the show. Yes, I'm super excited. <laughs> so um, Donna is uh, still on holiday somewhere. I've actually, it feels like it's been that long that I've genuinely forgotten where on earth she is in the world, but I think she's in some sunshine. Um, and you've very kindly offered to uh, uh, step into the breach for uh, for this show. So thank you very much. No problem. My very first podcast. Is it your first podcast? Uh, first podcast ever. Yes. I am so surprised, as you are <laughs> such a, a multimedia kind of um, empire owner. <laughs> I think I've only listened to one podcast in my life, and that was Mugglecast in the old Harry Potter days before the last was out. Of course, I see. And I, this, there's still quite a lot of Harry Potter kind of. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of still a lot of Harry Potter kind of um, I don't know what the right word is kind of paraphernalia things like communities all around it. Yeah, yeah. Is are they still as active as they as they once were? I don't know. I know there is one podcast going called the chapter titles were so good. I think that's what it's called, and my friends are constantly talking about it, but I haven't checked it out yet. I see. Okay. And they're still like doing a chapter by chapter discussion of Harry Potter, as far as I know. Oh my goodness, that must be like a billion chapters. Is that a chapter for every single episode of the podcast? I don't know. I think they might be taking it very slowly. Just <laughs> going to milk it for all it's worth. Yeah. Um, okay, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and, uh, and, and what you do on the internet? Okay, so I am originally from the Netherlands. I moved to London two years ago after I graduated from uh, Leiden University studying English and translation, um, hoping to find a job in London, which took me quite a while, about nine months. Uh, and I now work for Hotkey Books and Piccadilly Press as digital coordinator. Um, and while I was at university, I started a YouTube channel, which was about six years ago, called Books and Quills, um, where I have been making about two videos a week for the last six years. Um, and that's been going really well. And it's videos about books. Um, and I think about a month ago, I reached 100,000 subscribers, which is a nice little landmark. It's um, it's not just a nice old landmark, though. That's an amazing landmark. <laughs> I mean, that really is kind of serious numbers. It's a good round number. It is a good round number. <laughs> just stay there. Just stay at 100,000. Um, because when I first kind of came across your YouTube channel and in kind of BookTube in general and... Uh, um, and all that kind of thing. I think you don't. You had less than ten thousand subscribers, which is still a lot. I remember updating my CV as I was job hunting two years ago, <laughs> and every time I updated my CV, I had to add ten thousand subscribers, which was quite exciting. And while I wasn't getting any jobs, at least I felt like I was making some progress. Well, and I, I, we're going to talk later on about um, how you came to work in publishing, but. Um, from having kind of watched your videos and and from my own experience, we talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, doing that kind of, um, um, it's not really a hobby when it when you get that many subscribers, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, but yeah, I guess. It's sort of a part-time job indeed, mixed yeah. with a hobby. But that that um, uh, that does lead to opportunities. It's not just, these, these things can lead to other things, but we'll, we'll come on to that perhaps later on. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, about YouTube and we're going to talk about working in the publishing industry. First of all, though, we're going to talk about the... Um, now, I need to get this right because I've, I've, I've moved tabs on my browser, so I've, I've forgotten again what it, who is actually <laughs> organising it. But it's the book a day um, business, which you are doing. So perhaps you can be the one to <laughs> you tell us what's going on. Yes, yeah, so this is Book A Day UK, hashtag Book A Day UK, get that right. Um, and I think, if I'm right, this started in June, and basically it is this image that has um, a question for every day of the month, and it's kind of encouraging people to talk about books every day. And I feel like most people are doing it in the morning, which is when I don't have time because I'm at my job, so I'm kind of doing it in the evening. Um, but, for example, today's question was, 
um, who's your favorite fictional dog to celebrate, I think, Snoopy's birthday? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good kind of conversation starter, and it's being passed from sort of company to company. Uh, books are my bag are the current ones that are hosting it this month. And I don't know if it's just because I follow so many people that work in publishing or are book bloggers that my entire Twitter feed is taken over by it. I don't know how what that's like for you. No, it's a similar sort of thing. And and I often I often see things going around. I think, crikey, this is this is popular. And then I think, oh, maybe it's just because I follow loads of people who are interested in this type of thing. Yeah, so I'm really curious to see if any other people that don't work in publishing or have anything to do with that, if they're kind of getting some of this or if people are doing it on Facebook as well, maybe? Possibly, possibly. Out of interest, who who did you go for? for your? Um, so basically every day in um, October, um, people are tweeting, um, they're answering a, a question or, or a statement. So yesterday was um, what's uh, which which is your favourite book to curl up in front of a fire with. Yes. Others include Best Book on Diversity, Made Me Cry in Public, and then today the second, as you just said, is your favourite fictional dog. Who on earth did you go for? So I haven't done my personal one yet, but I did the one for Hotkey today, kind of cheating because I get to do a double one. Um, so for Hotkey, I did the Disreputable Dog from uh, the Old Kingdom trilogy because um, we're publishing the prequel for that at Hotkey. Um, and I'm reading them at the moment. So that was the one I picked for Hotkey. And I'm trying to think of who I'm going to do for my personal Twitter. Because um, I'm not a huge animal lover. I was so going to say... I have a strong connection to dogs. <laughs> what qualities do you really look for in a fictional dog? I might just go for, um, I don't know, Fang from Harry Potter. <laughs> or the three-headed dog. That might be a good one. That is a good dog. So what's yours? Well... It just so happens that I had a quick search for fictional dogs because I couldn't think of any. (laughs) And there is a Wikipedia page for fictional dogs. It is a list of fictional dogs. And I I mean, I was surprised to find that. I was also surprised to find that it took me about two minutes to scroll to the bottom of it. There are so many fictional dogs, it's ridiculous. Um, And I did pick a couple out. So this okay. is this is fictional dogs, not just for books, though. They've cheated a little bit with this Wikipedia page. Right. So um, who right here? They've uh, there's a, there was a the, I don't know if you listened to the Adam and Joe show when that was on the radio. They had a fictional dog called Boggins. I don't suspect anyone will have particularly heard of this. It's very specific, but it was basically um, uh, Adam Buxton, the presenter of the show, who pretended to be a dog for about <laughs> ten minutes, and it was disgusting because he got very close to the microphone. Oh. Other than that, I've gone for Scooby Doo. Oh, excellent choice. I think mainly because of how much I don't like Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> I know nothing about this. <laughs> right, okay. It's uh, like most, I feel really bad because a lot of cultural references are completely lost on me and I just try and blame it on the fact that I'm from the Netherlands, but that doesn't always work. I was, um, I, we were talking just before uh, we started recording, I was saying, I explained that uh, Donna, my usual co-host, her husband is uh, Danish, and uh, as regular listeners will know, and he also misses so many things. <laughs> and I feel so sorry for him, especially at Christmas, when everyone's kind of having a good old laugh at good old English Christmas things. And um, Paul Morton's kind of uh, just sat there, not able to contribute or just getting angry, especially games. So we play, um, I, don't, I think it's called lots of different things in lots of different households, but basically where everyone puts in a few famous people into a hat. And then, oh, yes. Yeah. And, of course, he doesn't know half of the people. We put, like, the characters from EastEnders and things like that, which is difficult anyway. I mean, I've got no idea who's in EastEnders, but it's that, that, type, of, that type of cultural reference which would just be impossible for people. Yeah, I'd have it, I have it at my job almost every day. Someone will mention an author, and I'll just kind of go, oh, I think they're really famous, but I'm not <laughs> sure who it is because I did not read that book when I, when I was growing up. Okay, well, Scooby-Doo, this is going to be a very brief overview and a very kind of unprofessional overview of Scooby-Doo. Okay. Tall dog, say tall because he's often spent time on his, just on his hind legs stood up. Cartoon dog, I should say that. <laughs> um, uh, cartoon dog, Scooby-Doo, he had a friend called Shaggy and in most episodes he had some other kind of um, uh, friends who were actual normal kind of humans they could all talk okay. to scooby and um and they drove around in a bus like a mini bus like a van and they went around chasing ghosts and the ghosts would always turn out to be um just 
like the ba- like a character, a minor character from the start of the show, like ten minutes later, it was always that person who was dressed right. up as a ghost. And whenever they pull off the mask and say, "Oh, it was him," of course it was him. We should have guessed ten minutes ago. That person always says, "If it weren't for those pesky kids, I would have gotten away with it, or I wouldn't have got away with it if it wasn't for those pesky kids," which is a catchphrase you may or may not have heard. <laughs> I so I have a general idea of what they look like. So I've only seen pictures, but I've never seen it. Okay, so that was the main premise of the show, and then <laughs> and then <laughs> I've not finished. And then um, after um, after I don't even know how long. I don't know the history of Scooby Doo, but basically they introduced Scrappy Doo, which was like his. I think it's his nephew, so Scooby Doo's nephew, okay. who, who could talk much better than Scooby Doo. I mean, he was younger, but he could talk like properly. And he would just go pile into fights. He would go up to... He's like a tiny little dog. And he would go go take on the biggest, baddest monsters. And he thought he was brave, but really he was about to get kind of punched or killed, probably. And then Scooby, who was a big, daft dog, he would grab him by the collar and rescue Scrappy and everything would be fine. That sounds like an excellent choice. Are you glad you asked? (laughs) Very glad (laughs) for helping me out with my cultural ignorance (laughs) so uh anyway i should mention that this list of fictional dogs is extremely long and um you can i'll put a link to this in the show notes which you can find at 5x5.tv slash wfyl slash 130 Um, and there will be a link to various things that we talk about on the show i'm going through the list right now and i literally only know the dogs that i've already mentioned yeah, well, that's reassuring because, I mean, I've got a, a, an English degree and I would have expected to have known more of these dogs, but I really don't. Yeah. And I've read the one, there's Charles Dickens' Don Bay and Son, which is the only Charles Dickens book, book I've read. It's one of the ones that no one's read. And there's a dog called Diogenes, apparently, and I, I do not remember him. But I quite like in the description here in the table so this gives you a list of name breed you get the breed of all these fictional dogs oh right source author and then notes and in the notes it says that Diogenes was a friend of Paul Dombey and later his sister Florence I quite like the idea of him being a friend anyway so I think that's probably enough about dogs for uh, one episode of a podcast about writing and publishing see these things really do spark conversation <laughs> indeed you wouldn't imagine would you um <laughs> Oh, so I was, yeah, back to um, the book a day briefly. I was going to ask you what you think, especially now you work in publishing, what you think the point of these things are. So there is, this is really just an an image with a list of of kind of things to talk about books or subjects, book subjects to talk about or to say that are your favourite for each day in October. There's no kind of, as far as I can tell, there isn't much of a sales motivation behind this type of thing so why why are are we seeing more of this type of campaign and what's the point do you think i think part of it is probably to get people to interact with the twitter account that is kind of hosting it um but in general i feel like people just want to get the conversation on twitter started about books or continuing it because it's probably already kind of you know happening um yeah i think just getting everyone to talk about books is beneficial for everyone that works in publishing and uh, yeah i'm not quite sure why it got started but i'm really happy it continued because obviously it looked like it was just going to be one month and that was going to be the end of it um but i'm really happy that it's continuing and i'm curious to see how long it will stay like this because it's quite hard to come up with 30 questions to begin with and then to kind of continue that every month is that you know you need a lot of creativity for that so yeah i'm curious to see where it goes and um i hope that there will be a christmas themed one because that'd be perfect. Of course, there has to be a Christmas-themed one, I think, doesn't there? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that it was... Um, I, I feel like there are more of these uh, things which are based on um, communities and, and trying to build a community. I know that there is kind of the obvious, to use kind of slightly horrible marketing phrases, there is that kind of brand engagement idea of the people who start these things off, and wouldn't it be fantastic if lots of people looked at an image and engaged with an image and various other types of phrase um, that related to our company or our brand, that kind of thing. I do get that, but there seems to be much more focus on um, community and, and, um, and raising awareness of books in general. Um, I think. Do you think this is something that publishers are actually doing on purpose? Is, Is there a kind of a concerted effort to stop using things like Twitter to 
push new books down people's throats and instead hope that people come across their new books via doing more, I guess, community-based or social campaigns like this? Yeah, I definitely feel like people are sort of slowly understanding that people, when they're on social media, don't want to be, you know, sold books all the time. They want to talk about books, but they don't necessarily want all the salesy stuff around it. Um, and especially if I'm looking at the images right now, and it does have some nice branding on it as well. So kind of the logo of the imprint that's hosting it. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really sort of friendly way to connect with people. And I think more and more people are sort of getting that it just works to just chat with people and be friendly. And then, you know, from time to time, show off the books that you're publishing without being as much of buy this, please, um, all the time. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think that's a really is a, a real sort of sea change uh, in the way that um, publishers are using um, social media. It also reminds me of um, of of YouTube, and it's that kind of the personal nature of creating a video where people can actually see your face when you're talking about books. The for me, it's it, um, YouTube video, booktube videos are so much more personal than say a written review or even. Um, any aspect really of, of talking about books because you get to see the person behind it and and stuff like this where you're basically asking people to talk about their favorite books but in a very kind of specific very kind of narrow way um you yeah, still you still get to see the people behind it's, it's, it's much more about people than it is books i think exactly and i also feel that on youtube you kind of have like people aren't specifically connected to one publishing company unless it's a publishing company's youtube channel um but the reviewers on youtube you you definitely know that they're not biased they're talking about the things that j that they genuinely love and i think that's also really great about these book a day uk things that are going on so the people like the books that people are talking about aren't necessarily the ones that they're connected to in a way that they want to sell it's just you know everyone talks about new books that are coming out or childhood favorites and it's like a really nice mix of that yeah okay well speaking of new ways of doing things um i was also interested to i am interested to find out i I get whenever i have a cold i just say sentences backwards i'm quite bad (laughs) at it at the best of times but i've done it about five times already in this show (laughs) i'm aware of it that's the main thing um and there was a sniff i'm sorry about that i'll edit that out um the pigeonhole. Have you yep. heard of Have you heard of um, a website which is kind of really a service, a web service called the pigeonhole? I have not heard of it yet, but I have it open right now, I'm taking a look at it, and I feel like just I'm constantly being bombarded with all these new websites that are kind of offering subscription services and unlimited books for a month and things like that. Um, So I'm always kind of interested to see what's out there and if it's offering something kind of different from what we've heard before. Well, this is uh, digital books delivered weekly to your device in installments. So it's that kind of episodic idea, um, which we can talk about in a minute. But what what is your general kind of, what are your general thoughts on the whole uh, subscription kind of way of doing things as a, as a reader? I think if you read quite a lot and you're looking for new recommendations, that's something that would really, really work. It'd be nice to just kind of browse. Um, yeah, and if you are if you read a lot of ebooks or audiobooks for that matter, that can be a really good way to um, to kind of get a good idea of what's what's out there and maybe get a bit of a discount. That's true. I mean, the 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 Amazon's. Um... Um, I've forgotten what it's called. What is called the new Amazon thing where you can um, subscribe? Is it just called? Oh, I did that, but I can't remember what it's called. (laughs) No, me neither. But it's Amazon Kindle subscribe thing. That's what it's called. And um, so, and that's in the UK. That's uh, I don't know how much that's been in the US for a few months. I think when it came to the UK a couple of weeks ago or last week even, and I think it's seven ninety nine in English money. Is it uh, Kindle Unlimited? That's right, Kindle Unlimited. Yes, I am currently doing a free trial of that. How's it going? Are you are you reading and trying more books because you can just go and get any of them or So what I the only thing I've done so far is I've downloaded Mockingjay onto my phone. And that was about it because I'm trying to because it has supposed to have 
kind of audio book element to it as well. So it's reading and listening on any device is what I'm reading in my email here. Um, so I thought I was downloading an audio book, but actually I was downloading an ebook. So I haven't quite figured it out yet. <laughs> okay. It sounds complicated. <laughs> um, yeah. So 799 for as many books as you want in a month. Now, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. It sounds like a, an amazing deal um, for authors. So my, I, I kind of had a look, and my book is, um, is you can get it as part of Kindle Unlimited, mm-hmm. but there is absolutely nothing in my contract at all um, with my publisher to obviously because it didn't exist at the time, right. just to say what I what I receive if anything from from Kindle Unlimited, and if you look at Amazon's bits and pieces, kind of the terms and conditions, or mm-hmm. or maybe it was even the um, the press release, it just said that. Um, um, authors get whatever the publishers negotiate and I kind of thought so every publisher in the world is, has now got to renegotiate rights for I mean it's just not going to happen so, yeah so I wonder if they're just sticking to kind of the old the old thing what they would usually get and so somehow I mean there must be people that sign up for this and then barely use it and I wonder if that has any influence I would have thought so I mean I can see it being quite similar to a, like a gym membership where you, it yeah. sounds like a really good idea and and you think well you know if I'm paying that much and I've got a whole month to I'll probably read eight books a month because I can <laughs> and then you go well actually I only read six this month and then before you know it you're neither reading nor going to the gym and then you forget you have a subscription and you keep paying for months and months exactly god Amazon is so clever they know what they're doing <laughs> especially if you sign up for a free sort of membership and then it will probably next month go into a paid membership if I'm not careful I would be very surprised if it didn't (laughs) Um, anyway the pigeonhole is not that it is different Um, and the pigeonhole is um, it's a curious name for a book service but um, I, I can't I can't kind of I can't really work out what the name is all about but I guess maybe you get like a weekly delivery from a pigeon they bring you your book. <laughs> now, I would pay for that. <laughs> I would pay a lot of money for a daily or a weekly pigeon delivery. Yeah, that'd be amazing, especially if you can get it at work. Make quite an impression. It really would. Um, and slightly Harry Potter-esque. Yeah. Um, so digital books delivered weekly to your device in installments. So there, is no, there are no actual pigeons. It is a digital pigeon that delivers um, 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 the next installment of, of your book. So basically, you get... Um, part of a book i presume let's say a a chapter and then the next week you get the next chapter and so on and so on so i saw one um news article which i'll try and find and put in the show notes describe it as the cliffhanger is back um and of course this is kind of how books were how all how all books were done see that's a backward sentence um in victorian times dickens dickens famously of course did uh, published a lot of his books in journals and in this kind of way um, so I get that it's not a new thing in terms of the concept. It's, I guess it's just it's a relatively new thing in terms of the idea. Perhaps the most interesting thing, though, is this uh, the added content that you get with this. So if you sign up to the pigeonhole, you get your installation, your installment, not installation, installment, and you also get, I guess, then a week to both read it, but also talk about it on a discussion board with lots of other readers and get extra content. Um, I don't know who from. or because yeah, it says it has videos, interviews, and images, and I'm wondering if that's a publishing company providing that or if it's already available online, but they're just kind of gathering it for you. Hmm, I, would have, I assumed it would be the former because that seems slightly cheating, the second one paying for <laughs> But maybe. I mean, that doesn't mean it isn't that way. Because you'd imagine that if they get content specifically from publishing companies, they would want to use that in other places as well and not just for this service because if they're making exclusive content that could be quite expensive yeah that's true so they would have to of course there's the rights as well so the pigeonhole presumably have got some sort of deal going on with the publishers I, i mean it's worth saying also that this is not for every book ever you can't kind of just choose which book you get sent to you and they've it seems almost like a um, excuse me, like a boutique kind of service where they choose things, and in fact they they call it the current 
selection of books that will get delivered to your device is called the Autumn Collection, which has a really very fashionable, very fashion, very kind of Apple Watchy, fashiony type of angly thing. And very like sounds very exclusive as well. I think that, and again, I wonder if the pigeonhole is. I, mean, I don't know how that sounds exclusive, but it, it's such a it's such an unusual name. Most things are called, um, I don't know, publishing this or book that, and um, so to have something that's com- really, I mean, not completely, but slightly conceptual, I think is interesting. So maybe the yeah. type of person they're trying to attract cannot be pigeonholed. They're kind of, I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm dwelling on the name far too long. Um, but there is a real fashion angle, like being part of an exclusive club. I think. And it's, I'm clicking on one of the books now, and it has a countdown on it saying 14 days, 3 hours, 10 minutes, and 44, 43 seconds until we start reading. So it seems very community-driven. It does. And added to that is that they say that the author is actively involved in the conversation. So, Oh, wow. So presumably, if... Um, yeah, I don't know how that would work. I mean, I'm almost quite in, quite tempted to sign up just because I'm so interested in how it would work. Because I do think it's got, I do think there's something there. I think there's something really interesting about um, the author being kind of actively involved in in the discussion. Like, they, I, don't, I don't know how they would do that though, because there's bound to be people who don't like it. And right. Well, I guess an author when they sign up for it, they kind of know what they're in for. Because I guess the same thing happens on Twitter as well. Where you'll get positive and negative feedback. That's true, but the general advice is always to steer clear of arguing with anyone who doesn't like your book. Right. <laughs> um, and and you know, I've had sort of very very only one, but a very you know, it was a fairly rubbish experience uh, from my side of things. And mm-hmm. I didn't argue with them, but I had the kind of temerity to link to it and ask people what they thought, whether I should do anything, and that just made things worse. And eventually, right. I just sort of. Uh, everything slowly back away yeah it's kind of thought oh god i'm just gonna to have to live with that being on the internet and just there's nothing i can do it was a, it yeah. was a really odd situation and if if you're kind of signing up for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah this it must be quite an interesting experience because i wonder how many people will be part of this first batch of discussions as well yeah i can't yeah. really find any numbers at the moment there's a board which has i think well, I'm trying to figure out what this board is. I don't know if you're in the looking at it as well. I'm, I'm not on the board area. Um, so basically, if you click on any of the books, there are a number of tiles that have a single word on it. One of them is lips. One of them is quiver. One of them is gasp. And I, I'm not sure if these are the chapters that will kind of open up one by one. Um, and these are just kind of words describing the chapters. Um, that is what it looks like at the moment. Okay. Well, they're very, very evocative words to choose. <laughs> well, the book is called Sex Dave. Oh, okay. I, I clicked <laughs> so on a different book. Goodness gracious, I've just seen the cover of the book as well. <laughs> <laughs> Blimey. Yeah, there's lots of... I've, I'm, I'm on this page now. I said I'm going to put this in the show notes. I, I Everyone who goes and looks at this page probably take a nice cold towel or something. <laughs> Oh, the Dickens one is a lot safer. It's just um, called The Wedding, Q&A with Dickens. Nice. Imagine. <laughs> anyway, this is a, this is um, uh, an interesting concept. I'll keep my eye on it. I'm tempted to subscribe, even if it's just for a couple of months, just to see. Yeah, and you can subscribe to Dickens for free, is what it looks like. Uh, okay. Because that's obviously public domain. Indeed, okay. Yep. Right, okay, well, that's an interesting thing to uh, check out, folks. Go and have a look at that. It's called The Pigeonhole. It's thepigeonhole.com. I'll put a link in the show notes, as I say. Okay, it's high time. We've been talking for half an hour already. Um, it's high time we talked about uh, YouTube. Yes, excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, as you've already said, you, you are on YouTube, and um, it's kind of your main... It's your main platform. It's kind of your, uh, you know, I've I've spread myself quite thin, or I, I certainly used to. I had this podcast, I had um, my blog, which um, I used to update much more, and I even tried a bit of YouTube myself, and uh, and intend to at some point in the future when I have a little more time. But um, you do have other stuff, but you've, you your commitment to to YouTube and and you know twice a week is is uh, amazing. So um, how did you get into it and? I wondered why YouTube in the first place, or I guess why videos and not so, one of the other things. This is always my favorite story to tell, and whenever I do this, I always have to think, 
do I want to tell the story? And then usually I say, why not? Um, so this all started with Twilight because um, <laughs> it was 2008, <laughs> kind of the the most popular days of Twilight. Um, and at that point, I'd already been watching YouTube for about a year and a half. Um, and I was quite involved with things as in I watched it every day. I had lots of people that I was following. And um, at that time, there was a group called Five Awesome Girls. And there were just five teenage girls who all had a day of the week that they made a video on. So they were making one video a week per person. Um, and they were kind of my age and they were talking about the things that I liked. Um, and so that's when I kind of started thinking, maybe this is something that I could do. Um, and at the time, I didn't have a lot of friends that really enjoyed reading. Um, and I had just read Twilight. It hadn't been translated into Dutch yet. I did not know anyone that had read it. So I went on the internet to try and find discussion boards or anyone that wanted to uh, kind of talk about it with me. And at that time, Twitter was still really new. So I wasn't on Twitter yet, which to think about that now is insane. <laughs> um, I cannot imagine a day without Twitter. And um, so someone was holding open auditions for a um, YouTube channel about Twilight where everyone would get one day to kind of talk about things. Um, and I auditioned for that. So my very first video was a really, really embarrassing audition video, which is still online somewhere if you're, you want to go on a hunt for it. Um, and that's kind of how I got started. I, I was accepted into that channel and kind of we had an automatic um, sort of audience because someone else was more kind of famous in the Twilight community um, gave us a shout out. So we immediately immediately started with a couple of hundred followers. Um, and I think two or three months into that, I started my own channel and started making videos about a bunch of different things. Um, and as time went on, I kind of um, started the 50 book challenge for the first time, which is where you try and read 50 books in one year. And I thought it would be a good idea to document that in my videos. And very quickly, I found out that people were very interested in chatting about books online because at the time there just weren't that many people doing that on YouTube. I was only watching one or two people that were doing bookish videos. So there was nothing like a book community on YouTube. Um, and then kind of fast forward two or three years of me doing that and slowly more people started doing it. And then now it's kind of just become this huge online community called BookTube. Indeed. And when I kind of stumbled across all this myself, um, which must have been, I don't know, maybe 18 months ago, maybe slightly longer, I'm not sure. Um, I was kind of, um, I don't know what I was. I, I was. I was kind of amazed at first. I just thought, this is amazing in the most in both ways <laughs> amazing in both ways i thought this is i was actually amazed but i was also i also you know just thought it was just fantastic um that there was this huge community and i just found myself flicking from person to person and and you know i wasn't kind of watching every every you know all the videos ever but mm -hmm. i was it just i could just see the community i was just it was just there and i think if anyone who i mean even if they just go to one of your videos for example just look down the right-hand column of all the related videos from other people, you will gradually work your way around and just see what an unbelievable, uh, thriving community uh, BookTube is. And, right, and people communicating with each other and tagging each other in videos and doing collaboration videos, and that's that's definitely one of, the, one of my favourite parts, I think, of the whole BookTube community. Absolutely, and I remember at the time saying to... Um, it, was, it wasn't that long after my book had come out, so that was September, uh, September 2012. And so it must have been around that time, maybe just after that. And I remember saying to my publisher and my agent, have you seen all this? Does, like, is it, am I like the last person to know that all this is going on on YouTube? And, um, and of course, they, you know, they, they hadn't got a clue. <laughs> which, is, which leads me on to kind of the next bit. Do you, do you think that there is... I think it's better. From what I can tell, I think that it's, it's improved. But it seems to me like this huge disconnect between a load of publishers who are still getting to grips with anything digital, mostly. It's fantastic that they've started employing people like you. That's a start. Um, but they just, it seemed like they had no idea that there's this like massive community of readers. And I, and I don't mean in a let's sell to them kind of way. More, more in the kind of what we've already talked about, I guess, the idea of, look, there's this community you can, who, you know... You, you lot need to talk to each other. <laughs> well, I feel like it's slowly happening. And I, I like to take the beauty community as an example because that kind of started, 
I'd say about three, yeah, about, about three years before the booktube community started. So everything that kind of happened in the beauty community community three years ago is what is happening in the book community now. And so having watched kind of beauty gurus over the last couple of years, you can kind of see and predict what's going to happen in the book community. And right now I feel like we're at this really weird point where publishing companies are a lot of them are sort of figuring out, right, we have to get in on this. Like, this is an amazing opportunity, both to promote our books, but also to just interact with these people. Um, and slowly but surely, sort of money is getting involved. And mm. it's it's not just an isolated thing anymore. And I think a lot of people like it, and a lot of people dislike it. And that's always bound to happen as kind of a community grows and becomes more popular and more known to the outside world. Yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? Money always creeps in somehow, um, some way. And it's uh, interesting to see that I think at the moment, as far as I know at least, there aren't really any people doing this full time. While there are so many people making beauty videos online and doing it full time and making loads of money or at least enough money to have it as a full time job. And right now for most people doing book related videos is still a hobby that people are doing alongside university or a job or even high school yeah and that's that leads me sort of on to my, my next point really I mean I I feel like um I'm not that old I don't think <laughs> I'm um I'm I'm a useful 33 and um and I know that's not that much older than you and I say that with a great deal of respect <laughs> um but I feel like if I'd, if it had just been five or six years if I'd have been five or six years younger I would have just or even when I was at university if I think when I was at university maybe I'd have continued to be kind of kind of a layabout um, who read books but um, but maybe maybe I would have been making videos and talking about books uh, that way I just as soon as I saw it, I thought this is amazing I, I want to do this kind of thing and then of course I started having to think about things like okay well I'd I'd like to talk about books, but I'm also an author myself, and does do I have conflicts of interest there in some way or another? Um, and and then, of course, you know, I I have two young children, as regular listeners will know. Um, <laughs> and you know, t eventually, I got to the point. I so I made about ten relatively good quality. I have old ones, lots of old videos. So I, I'm saying all this. I actually made videos in. I don't know, 2008, 9, 10, I was making videos, but it, they weren't particularly good quality. What I was saying was fine, but they, they weren't very well done. It was just on my phone. Um, but I, I, I had a, more of a go, go at it about a year ago, and I think that they were, they were kind of okay, and I certainly learned how to do the basics with video editing. And you got a tag going that is still going around. Well, when you, sa <laughs> <laughs> when, when you said uh, that, what was it, about five minutes ago, you said... Um, that you started out by someone, um, a more uh, internet famous person, kind of latching on something that you'd created and like sharing it around. Mm -hmm. I'd like to take an awful lot of credit for the on my shelf tag <laughs> <laughs> being popular, but the reality is that on my shelf, which is the ludicrous, or what I thought was ludicrous, um, uh, book related YouTube video game. Um, uh, I made no one looked at it at all for about three months and then you made a video and now there are I think literally hundreds of, of them on, oh, yeah. uh, on yeah. YouTube and, and this happens quite often in the booktube community because there's a lot of kind of YouTubers with a lot of subscribers watching YouTubers with 300 400 or something like that subscribers and if they come up with something really fun that they kind of share with everyone and then someone else decides to pick up on it it can easily just kind of spread really really fast i think still the favorite moments of my um brief my, my, my youtube career that's on hold um was um the youtube uh youtuber uh called jesse the reader that's right yes. isn't it yes who because um, most people are this is the the other good thing about youtube is that there is people are so committed to making sure they reference people yes and in blogging and other things it really doesn't happen people will swipe your idea at the drop of a hat and not mention you in the slightest on youtube as far as i can tell people really do try and give credit to people that have been you know, kind of referenced in previous videos or tagged or, or that kind of thing yeah definitely anyway jesse the reader referred to me as ian boom which, <laughs> which i loved <laughs> i was delighted <laughs> um and um, yeah, it didn't catch on. I tried to get people in real life to start calling me that, but it didn't, it didn't work. work. It did not work. Um, 
So I, I think to, to go sort of back to on my shelf, but not really. One of the things that I think, because I kind of thought, well, why are so many people doing this apart from the fact that Sonna has actually made a video? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's it, it, the key is that it's personal. It's kind of the idea that, so the idea behind On My Shelf was that people just were given numbers, random, pick three random books from their shelf, and then you talk about the book, but not just about the book itself, because it may be one that you've not read, but kind of where you bought it, what it means to you, and all that kind of thing, kind of the story behind the book. And I think that's why um, BookTube works so well, is because it's just so much more personal, as I kind of said earlier on. You, you really do feel like the BookTubers are the story as much as the books themselves. Definitely. I also think... Two other reasons why this tag works really well, uh, and it kind of showcases special things about BookTube, is one, um, you can ask the people that watch your videos for numbers. And then, so I asked people for it on Twitter, and they would send me numbers, and then I would feature their tweet in my video, saying, this person gave me these numbers, and that is this book. Um, so you kind of get to have people sort of feature in your video, which is always really fun. Um, and then the other thing is that people sometimes complain that booktubers talk about the same books a lot so the most recent new YA books that are coming out that maybe they've been sent for review and I feel like with this tag you get people to kind of dig through all these books that they might have had for years and years but that they've never mentioned before um, and that I feel like is a really great side of booktube that um, would perhaps would be great if more people were doing that so I think that kind of the audience interaction and kind of getting some older books out there makes it a really good combo yeah no I, I agree and it's I think it has that uh, immediacy as well it's that you, you really I, one thing I think we, we, if you have a written review it's so easy so easy to hide behind those words as a reviewer I mean I've reviewed books myself it's mm. so easy to hide in a, in a way not that that's a, a bad thing necessarily I'm not saying you should kind of completely reveal yourself um, in, a, in a written review but it's quite easy to talk about a book and sometimes not not really convey whether you really liked it or not or whether you really disliked it or just how much so sometimes when people write a bad review for example and they say something like horrendous about a book you kind of think come on it's a book do you really dislike it that much and I think if they were saying that if you could see their face as you can on YouTube you would kind of you can see if someone really likes something or whether they really don't like it so there's less it's more honest I think I think it's got a real honesty um, um, uh, reviewing and talking about books on, on BookTube and you also get to have a lot more words, <laughs> which is great. Because <laughs> I, I did one written review once of a book that I really didn't like. Um, and I was writing it out. And then I just realized that I had already written six or seven paragraphs. And I wasn't even close to getting started about what I wanted to say. Because I was used to being able to talk for five minutes. And then also cut out the bits in between that I didn't like. So it's just five minutes of me kind of speed talking. Um and if you were to write that out, that would be a massive review, and no one would probably read that. And 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 I also think that there's um, it's it's a long there's a much longer story going on. It's why I really really like doing the podcast is because although each episode is um, you know its own self contained thing, there is if people listen regularly, then as a lot of listeners do, then there is a whole story. I mean, this is episode 130 of this of this show, and you can go back and see where some subjects come up at uh, different places. You can kind of you can have things like you have to be careful with these, but like little in jokes or references and and that kind of thing. And I think that's the same thing with with uh, with YouTube. You can you can there is a much um, a much longer, more varied story going on than just the one video that is about one book. Definitely, and you get to know people's preferences a lot. And when you subscribe to someone, you will know oh, they like this kind of book. So if they read something outside of that genre and they really enjoy it, you can, can kind of just gauge if that would work for you. And I think for a lot of people, what they've said, why they watch my reviews is because they've read one or two books that I've recommended and they really like them. So ever since then, they just go, you liked it, I'll try it. Exactly, yeah. And that's, um, again, that's something that you just... It's very difficult, unless you kind of, I don't know, if you follow someone's Goodreads reviews or Amazon reviews, I guess you can do a similar sort of thing. But again, it's just so, so much, uh, it's much less personal. It's kind of like a friend recommending a book. If you know what kind of books your friend likes, and then they recommend something to you, and you know that you have kind of the same, um, the same preference, then it kind of works the same way. Absolutely. 
Um, okay, I want to talk to you about working in publishing, and we've already been talking for about 45 minutes. I do appreciate that at least six minutes of that was taken up with me trying to explain <laughs> Scooby-Doo, which wasn't <laughs> planned. <laughs> um, so you've already kind of given us the first part of your story, but now you have a job in publishing. So um, Part number two. Indeed, <laughs> so let's go for part two. Okay, so this was sort of all a huge coincidence, but then in a way, when you look back on it, I can kind of see how everything happened at the right time. Um, and I feel like most things in life kind of happen that way. While you're doing it, you have no idea what's going on. And then when you're done, you're like, right, that kind of all made sense. Um, so I got in touch with Hotkey, I think in... May, um, because I walked in, it was one of the first times that I actually requested a book for review because I hadn't really been doing that. And this was a year and a half ago when publishing companies weren't really reaching out to vloggers yet. Um, and so I walked into a bookshop, I saw a book that I thought I would like to review this. Maybe I can try and email the publishing company and get a review copy. So I looked at the spine and it said hotkey books. I had never heard of hotkey books before. Um, so I did some Googling. I found an email address and I sent a very friendly email saying, hi, I have a YouTube channel. I don't know if you work with vloggers, but I would like to review this in this book. Um, got a very lovely email back saying, yes, of course. They sent me the books. Um, I reviewed it, put it online. And then within, I think, five minutes of me posting this video, I got a tweet from the publishing company. I got a tweet from the author and a tweet from the cover designer um, because I had said that I really liked the cover. And I was just kind of amazed at the response, at how quick and how excited it was. And just that interaction was something that had never happened before because very often when you at Reply Publishing Company, maybe you don't get an answer at all. Um, so I was kind of amazed by that. And I followed them on Twitter and was kind of following that uh, for one or two months. And then they had a job opening for a digital coordinator. Um, and I figured that would be a good thing for me to kind of try and um, see if I could get that job because it was video editing and social media and kind of all the things I love. And um, I ended up getting that job. And I realized that this is a stupid question, but I'm going to go for it anyway. How much did your um, YouTube stuff, your YouTube work, um, um, how much did that affect their decision on whether to employ you or not? Well, I think having a YouTube channel is so useful in kind of showcasing your skills. So it's one thing for me to say, oh, I can do online community management sort of. Um, and it's another thing to kind of show a channel and say, hey, here's 40,000 subscribers and here are comments from them. And this is me chatting with them and kind of setting up read-alongs and doing those things, basically the things that I would be doing for Hotkey as well. So it was sort of like they could take my channel and then... I could do the same things that I'd already been doing for hotkey. Um, yeah, so I think that definitely helped because I had all this kind of practical proof online. Because um, I, I did study literature at university, but I have a feeling that I could have studied anything at university <laughs> um, and it wouldn't have mattered that much. And it was more kind of the practical experience that I had kind of gained over the last couple of years that really helped. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, I, I was saying a similar sort of thing uh, a couple of weeks ago with, I was I was talking about projects, projects, projects. How how if you want a job in, um, um, I think any job really these days. <laughs> maybe not if you want to be a scientist. Maybe you do have to have specific qualifications. Probably. Maybe maybe a doctor. But you may <laughs> you may need to kind of know what you're doing. But that idea, I think any creative job, I think um, most employers just look at. Um, they will look at kind of the regular kind of things like your CV and your employment mm -hmm. history, that kind of thing. But if you can say to them exactly as you said. Um, look here or here's here's um whether it's a community or whether it's just you know a single video even or whether it's um a blog i mean i know that when i when i was looking for agents and um um and then again uh, trying to sell the book get it published i know that quite high up on the um on the um kind of uh, what are they called i don't know i'm starting to lose control of my <laughs> nasal passages it's not going well um, when we were kind of submitting, that's the word, the kind of submission form, it was quite high up um, on the list that I had my own blog and my own right. podcast and there were this many um, uh, listeners and readers and that kind of thing. I mean, it's n not the kind of numbers that, that you're talking about, but certainly enough, like thousands. And it, people are, uh, people do kind of take notice and it doesn't have to be, 
it doesn't that's why I say it could be just a single video it doesn't have to be like thousands and thousands of of subscribers or followers or whatever it could be just the fact that you are able to create something completely independently without you being made to by a previous right, and also the, the fact that you spent most of the the free time you have you choose to spend that on a specific topic or a specific thing that you really enjoy that kind of like that demonstrates the enthusiasm that you have for it and it's the same thing as volunteering at book fairs or working in a bookshop and all those things kind of work together and that's definitely i think the most important part yeah absolutely so i just uh, we are going to have to wrap up shortly but i just i also want to i really wanted to ask you whether you thought that now that having kind of talked about books in a non-professional capacity i suppose and now you are you know you work for a publisher has that affected the way you read has, has it affected the way that, you know, your view of publishing in general or anything like that? I think one of the main things that it's kind of helped me with is how I interact with publishing companies from sort of my YouTube's point of view, because I see how it kind of works from the other side. I see how bloggers and YouTubers interact with us at Hockey and at Piccadilly. Um, and so kind of taking those things into consideration, like knowing how busy people are and, and knowing how much they appreciate being sent a link to review and things like that so that's really interesting to see but also definitely knowing more about the publishing process just help like good covers i appreciate them so much because i sit across from the design team and just seeing what goes into those decisions and how much work goes into it and i think in the past i've definitely um you know you make comments about covers that you don't like and oh why did they make that decision and being in meetings where those things are discussed has definitely kind of made me more considerate of those things yeah, I mean, being uh, uh, an author who's published traditionally, but is quite an online type type person, who you know, I'm very much um, exposed to the world of self publishing, which I'm kind of all for. I mean, I, I've absolutely, you know, got lots of fantastic things to say about self publishing, but I still end up reading lots of stuff criticizing agents and um, cover designers, publishers. You know, this kind of constant attack that the traditional publishing industry seems to be under from uh, a lot of areas and I, I i i do kind of think you know you really need to it's not like that <laughs> it might be in some places but it's really my experience is not like that i've met some of the, like the nicest people who all they want to do is just make my book as good as it can be definitely um, yeah but um yeah so that's interesting that it's um it's it's had that effect on you has it affected what you post to youtube have you ever thought well maybe i shouldn't post this or or, or, or record this well, I try and be careful and think about, will I ever meet this author? Is there a probability that, <laughs> that I will, at an event, come across this author? And I, I, never, I never really post really negative reviews, just in general, because I don't think it really adds anything to the world in a positive way. Um, and I do, I do do cr- critical reviews, but I you know, try and keep in mind um, if I might ever run into this person in real life. Yeah, and I mean, do you think authors are watching YouTube videos apart from me? I think they are. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes I have to try and decide if I want to tweet my review at the author or if I don't. Um, And usually when I have like a glowing review, I will tweet at the author. And if it's a bit mixed, I will just tweet it in general. And then if they really want to find it, they can. But I don't kind of want to throw it in their face. I think as long as it's not, <laughs> as long as, as long as it's not in the horrendous category I mentioned earlier, I think that right. you should be fine. I mean, <laughs> although you never know, I can't. That's just maybe that's just me. I probably shouldn't speak for all authors, and then you end up getting into some kind of terrible fight on the internet. <laughs> yeah, um, so I try and, and play it safe when it's kind of a mixed review. But has it has working in publishing made you more? Um, um, has it has it stopped you in your tracks more than you previously would have uh, been? Um. I don't think so. In a way, it's given me like more opportunities as well. Um, and I also review books from Hotkey. Um, and we definitely had a chat when I started my job, like, how is this going to work? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm free to talk about the books that we publish. And I, I read so much of them, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it's the majority of what I'm reading at the moment. And when I read something that I absolutely love, of course, I want to share it with everyone. And I have the platform to do that. So then... I also do that as much as possible while also, of course, mentioning that it is published by the company that I work for. Yes. Quick, quick disclaimer. <laughs> right. Um, and how do you, what do you think about um, authors using YouTube? And you don't, I think it's you, you great. Don't have, 
Yeah, so you don't have to. You can be. You don't have to reference my uh, kind of vague attempts. Um, do you think it's a, a, a good idea? Do you think that there is any kind of pitfalls? Anything that they shouldn't definitely do? Or you know? um, I, I think as long as someone is really interested in doing it and think they can keep it up for a while, because there's really no mm. use in making two videos and then being like, right, that was it. Um, I think if you're kind of interested in just chatting about things that you enjoy on the internet and the idea of editing videos for hours and hours doesn't sound (laughs) horrific to you, um, then yeah, I think it's always a great idea because people want to, I think people want to interact with authors and even if they don't want to directly interact, they would love to see a bit more behind the scenes. So even if you're chatting about things you enjoy about your favorite tv shows anything i think would be great for people and if i mean they'll only go looking for it if they're really interested and then they can find it yeah i mean i my sort of theory on it was that i'm, I'm just a person at the end of the right. day oh well, yeah exactly so it's um you know as long as i don't you know every video isn't buy my book in fact any video is as long as any video apart from maybe the trailer isn't buy my book then um then you kind of you know, it's just the same rule as everything. Just don't be an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, good rule, I think. Definitely. Um, okay, so we are. We've been talking a long time, um, and my nose is going to explode quite soon. We do have listeners' question. But if we can, let's try and do bullet point answers to our listeners' question. So this was a listeners' question from um, Ben Ellis, who who's um, on on Twitter, whose username is. B3N3LLIS. Okay. I, I would try and think of a, try and pronounce that with the numbers, but I just, I have not got the nasal awareness to do so. Um, he says, I've released an ebook and I'm trying to get the word out. What's been the most effective, what's been most effective in marketing your books? It's very kind of him to say books, plural to me. That would be an absolutely lovely thing for me to be able to <laughs> answer. So we'll just go with the book. Um, my quick answer is um, there are lots of ways that you can market your book. I suspect that Ben, from the way he's worded that, I think he's probably self-published it, so my experience is going to be quite different. However, the one thing that I was surprised by and I didn't really think about as much as I probably should have done was how important those people in real life that actually know me, um, how important they would be for word of mouth and um, and being kind of the people who you would expect to buy your book fine but I'd never really thought about how much they were likely to evangelize and share it with their friends and family and hopefully not just because you know you know them but because they like it and that really works out on Facebook for me so um, forgetting my author Facebook page which is relatively useless um, my actual personal Facebook page which I also don't update that often but that was really um, where I just saw loads and loads and loads of shares and likes and and it wouldn't surprise me if that was actually my kind of highest um, or most successful online kind of venture, I suppose. That's definitely a really, really good suggestion. I think I I mostly have some don'ts, which are very important as well. Um, don't spam. That's the main thing, because if you are trying to reach out to people on Twitter all the time, those people will go to your Twitter account and see that you've been at replying every single person that you can find on the internet. Uh, and that usually doesn't work that well. And also don't be pushy. There's nothing wrong with emailing people and asking if they're interested in reviewing your book. Um, but you know, don't do that repeatedly if they've already said no, or if they're not responding. And then I think one thing to do is make sure that if people are looking for information about your book or about you is that they there's a place where they can very easily find it and maybe read a short piece of the book or just have any kind of Twitter page or website or anywhere um, where kind of all your information is that you can send people to if they're interested. That's um, that's a, a fantastic group of tips. I, I I have done that myself a few times where I've kind of emailed someone and said, you know, would you mind um, a couple of YouTubers? In fact, would you you know would you mind? Um, not would you mind that's not how I phrased it I said you know <laughs> would you like to read would you mind would you mind reading this book um, I, I've asked but I would always always qualify it with don't feel in the least bit obliged like you have to even if you say yes I'll have the book still don't feel obliged to review it I think it's like don't just uh, you know think that anyone has any as an author don't think anyone has any kind of obligation to do anything it's really not the case at all because um, it's definitely happened to me before that 
um, I think it was a self-published author who has emailed me asking if I wanted to review his book, and I've emailed back saying, no, thank you. And then six months later, they've emailed me again, and I'll go through my inbox, and I'm like, yep, I remember this person. Right. And so they're kind of just doing the rounds over and over again without really picking specific people, and that's kind of a telltale sign that I usually I'll say no to that. Yeah, and that's a really good point, actually, to pick, actually be selective over who you approach. Don't just, you know, if someone reviews um, vampire fiction and you've written um, something... <laughs> I'm, I'm losing it. Something um, about the opposite of vampires, then <laughs> then don't do that. It's like trying to figure out, like, a, a nature... a novel about nature. <laughs> What's the opposite of vampires? Nature. <laughs> nature, okay. Probably not. I nearly said werewolves, and then I realised <laughs> that they were as probably as linked as could possibly be. Exactly. Okay, I think that's an appropriate place to stop talking. Okay, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Sana. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Where can people find you on the internet? So, basically everywhere under the name Books and Quills. So, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Tumblr. Quite fond of Tumblr. Um, Yeah, and everywhere else. Fantastic. And um, all being well, um, Donna will be back next week to um, join me at the helm. So, uh, thanks for listening and um, goodbye. Bye.